Welcome to Product Voices, a podcast where we share valuable insights and useful resources to help us all be great in product management. Visit the show's website to access the resources discussed on the show, find more information on our fabulous guests, or to submit your product management question to be answered on our special Q&A episodes. That's all at productvoices.com. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. Now, here's our host, J.J. Rory, CEO of Great Product Management. Hello and welcome to Product Voices. We've got a great conversation today about how to find your voice as a product manager. Wow, it's such an important topic and we're going to dig into that, what that means and some ways that we in product management can really become ourselves, become confident, and find what matters to us, finding your voice in product management. Really great conversation. Joining me today is Victoria Koo. She's director of product at High Note, a fintech startup headquartered in San Francisco that specializes in creating customized debit and credit cards for companies looking to deepen relationships with customers. She was previously at Airbnb for eight years, and she led payments products at Airbnb. I'm so excited about this conversation. Victoria, thanks so much for joining me. It's great to be here, JJ. Okay. So finding your voice in product management or finding your voice as a product manager, what does that mean to you? Why do you think it's so important? Why are you passionate about this? Yeah. When I think about product management, it's um, both artistry and science. And um, the part that I'll lean more into is the artist, because um, I like to I like to talk about the, the voices in my head um, warring against each other. One's an artist and one's a financier. And um, finding your voice is figuring out how to unify and focus that voice, all the voices in your head into something that the world can use, that you can share and give to the world. Um, and so when I think about that voice, a lot of it comes down to... Um, leading with authenticity for me. For other people, it can be, you know, creating progressive measures in the world, like ensuring that people have the right data to use. There could be any number of things. For me, it's about leading authentically. And very specifically for me, um, it's about my sort of contrarian thoughts on leadership. Um, and leading with authenticity, authenticity is staying true to that. So I'll, I'll say it here in the beginning because we'll probably hear it as a theme, but I'm definitely a maverick. Um, I think a little bit differently about things. And um, over, over time, I've learned to use my experience and, and guide the way that I think into more productive ways to communicate um, sort of my maverick ways. So I really love that. And, and that, that last part about you being a maverick, um, you know, I think people have a difficult time finding their voice. And then even if they know what their voice is, having the confidence to use that and to push that, if you will. And, you know, especially if you are a maverick, especially if you have some thoughts and, and a vision for your product or the world or whatever that is contrary to others. Um, so, so why do you think generally, you know, a lot of folks have a difficult time finding their voice or at least using their voice and, and making that voice for front and center? Yeah, wow. The answer to that question, we could <laughs> we could talk about this fighting capitalism all day. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, from a summary perspective, um, I'll start from like how I came about and understanding like what voice to use. Um, and it really came just one day. I was thinking differently. I, I remember I was a teenager, and all of a sudden, I just remember thinking like, who who profits from me feeling this way? 
Like, I was feeling pretty down about myself, you know, insecure, pimply, whatever. <laughs> um, I wrote about this on my LinkedIn post, but all of a sudden I took a different turn, right? A different neuron fired. And I was like, who profits from me thinking this way? Because it's not me. I'm not profiting from me thinking this way. And that changed the course of my life. I really felt like from that moment on, the questions, the Socratic method that I use for myself um, helped me think a little bit more differently about my inner workings, about the way that the world worked. So I had a lot of opinions from that day forward about society, about capitalism, um, but that's really where it started from. And so for people who are kind of in this area where they're, they're, they're asking questions, they're thinking, how can I have a voice? What is my voice, right? Like I remember in high school, my high school teacher was like, use your voice. And I'm like, what's, what is my voice, right? What is it that I want to put out in the world? What is it um, that the world needs from me? Because um, there's, there's a ton of dissonance in the world. There's chaos. There is noise. And like, why do I want to contribute to the noise? What do I, like, what is it that I can give to the world that kind of dispels the, the chaos, dispels the dissonance? Like, what is it that the world can use from me? That's kind of where I started from with regards to the voice. And, and so the more I asked myself those questions, the more I leaned into um, my experiences, um, both professional, both um, personal, and realized that, hey, to be Victoria, to be the voice that I am, I need to lean really authentically into how I think. Um, and I can't just shut myself up when I disagree with something and say, like, sure, go ahead. Think that way. I now have to be uh, more elegant about how I present contrarian sort of perspectives. Yeah, that's I think that's a really important part is, you know, it's if you have a differing opinion, there's a reason and you have every right. Every every person has the right to bring that up. But but to 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 make it land <laughs> to influence others, you've got to do it in such a way that um, it is is still true to yourself, but but also is impactful for them, right? It, it means something to them. It, it it's in a way it's uh, that that proves the point and 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 lays out the case, right? And so if it, it, you know part of part of I think um, finding your voice and using that voice is is finding what matters to you. I, I love kind of that that side of things, but then you've got to figure out how to put that voice out in the world and put it in a put it out in the world in a way that again stays true to who you are and that voice, but if you're trying to use that voice to influence people, which we often do in product, it's gotta, it's gotta land. It's gotta resonate in some way. Right. Absolutely. Especially as strategic. leaders, Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's, it, I personally have found it as um, specifically finding your voice isn't necessarily only about contrarian views. Right. But it's, you know, specifically about that. I have found it difficult that, you know, kind of finding that balance of, you know, when do you, you know, what, what battles do you fight and, and, and when do you say, okay, let's, let's compromise or, you know, something is so important and your view, your view on how we should do something and how it should be, especially, you know, ethics and inclusivity and those sorts of things. Like if we're not doing it that way, we shouldn't do it at all. You know, finding those kind of places I think is, is also somewhat difficult for people, right? Yeah. I think that, um, in those cases, right. A lot of people default to frameworks. Um, and yes, frameworks help us with cutting the chaos, but, um, you know, I do think that at the end of the day, really developing that like critical thinking spine um, and understanding like what sort of principles you want to follow. Again, it kind of goes back to what do you want to put out in the world? Um, that is like an even more important skill set 
to put out there, right? In, in helping you figure out that voice. Yeah, absolutely. So like if you were to take someone on as, as a mentor or, you know, someone on your team or just anyone listening out there that, you know, they love this and they want to buy into it and they, they know they have a voice in there somewhere. Um, like what are some kind of tangible ways that you've found, and you've mentioned some of these that have helped you, but like, what advice would you give to someone? Like how, how to get started on that? Not only solidifying what they think and know their voice is, but then using it in the workplace. Yeah. I mean, I think um, the the Socratic method, as I mentioned, definitely helps with that. But the other thing that I want to that I want to plug you and agree with you on is that your five truths of product management include the communication aspect, which um, if you can't sell your ideas, if you can't even um, get someone on board with how you think, then life is going to be very tough. So it's like leaning into that communication skill that um, is really hard for people, especially specialists who are deeply in the details. Um, This is why I'm really excited about ChatGPT, though. Like that is a game changer for people who aren't great at communication. And to be clear, there's two aspects of communication. There's like the writing element and there's the speaking element. Writing, ChatGPT absolutely can help with. And the more that you figure out the type of voice that you want to write with, the more that voice translate into the, the inner workings, the brain that speaks to you, the inner monologue um, for people that have it. Um, and so then the second part of that uh, skill set is to work on being able to speak verbally, right, and translate your thoughts into a way that is palatable and also, um, you know, to up-level elegant <laughs> to the person that's hearing that. Um, and so these are really the traits that I would I would focus on. And they sound very simple. It's very difficult to um, execute on because um, it is a skill that requires time. In today's modern society, time is yeah. a commodity that we don't get back. That is the most important. Right. And so um, personally, yeah. from, a, a, from a personal anecdote, um, I was not great at communication early on. You know, I was definitely one of the specialists, very analytical, thought deeply about things in my head, had trouble communicating the points to my superiors to, um, and to peers. We were all in the details, so it wasn't as much of a problem. But um, I was lucky enough to have an amazing mentor who worked with me. And I kid you not, for two years, um, honing the way that I thought, taking my verbal throw up, so to speak, and reshaping it back to me and saying, is that what you meant? Right. Look at how you can say it this way. And it's much more clear. And that was a privilege, right? Like we should all seek um, to understand areas that we can work on, but then also find the people who are best able to help us with the areas that we need to work on. That's amazing. And, and yeah, what, a, what an amazing experience to have that mentor. So, so on that, I, I want to I ask you one other question about this. And so, so for the leaders out there, is there a way that they can um, best help their team, uh, the individuals on their team, find their voice, right? So, so let's say you're a leader and you have this person and you know they've got it and they've got so much potential. Maybe they aren't as confident as they should be or whatever it may be, right? We've all seen it. And, but you know they've got this really unique perspective and this unique voice. Is there something they can do specifically to help them find that voice? Is it, you know, again, just kind of mentoring or, or talking to them? Or are there other things that they can do? Yeah. So there are two aspects um, to helping um, those like shining stars, rising stars um, rise to the occasion. Um, I'll call it sponsorship and mentorship, right? The mentorship part is pretty clear, right? Encouraging people, teaching people, right? Um, Really helping them understand like what's holding themselves back at getting them to answer the questions that I ask, like what, who, 
who profits from you thinking this way, right? Um, that, that part is often talked about. Um, the part that isn't talked about as much is sponsorship. Now that you've got this opportunity to face like what you want to work on, um, how do you execute on it? What are the proper environments for you to be able to show off that skill set? What are the areas for you to be able to reap the rewards of you executing, you know, properly on that skill set? That's the sponsorship. Those are the meetings that like people talk about your great work when you're not in the room. Those are the meetings where people advocate for you. Those are the times when people like stand up on behalf of your leadership, right? And say, they point to you and say, Victoria and whomever, they're willing to go through the storm. And I agree with it, right? That's the sponsorship portion. So for leaders, it's really thinking about these two areas. It's not just mentorship. It also needs to be sponsorship. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I love that. It's like, you know, when they bring you up in a room that you're not in um, and they bring you into that room eventually is also yeah. a good way to do it. Um, right. Yeah. I love that. I'll share it. Um, since you brought up a mentor, there was a, a boss that I had uh, many years ago and still probably to this day, my favorite boss and, and the most influential boss in my career. And one of the things that she would do for me is, is allow her allow me to shadow her in some, some meetings. Um, and yeah, maybe my role had a, a little bit of reason to be there, but, but really the, the main, main reason I was there was to hear the, the type of decisions and the type of conversation that happens. And then after that, she and I would just sit down and we would talk and I'd say, well, what did that mean? And why were you doing this? And why was there such a pushback here? And so she would tell me all about this. And again, you don't, you can't do that with everyone. You can't do that with every meeting. You can't, you know, as leaders, you can't, you know, spend all your time doing that, but that is a huge part of leadership is, is building up the next, you know, the next uh, set of leaders. And so I love that. And, and I love that perspective. Um, so I, I've loved this part of the conversation, but I actually want to do a little bit of a detour, if you don't mind, because I love that you're in payments. And I started, um, or at least early in my career, um, I was in in, pay, in payments, and it was a, a gosh, fifteen years ago or so now. So the world has changed quite a lot, but I still love the space of payments, and I just find it fascinating, kind of the the view of connecting commerce and people and and it just kind of makes the world go around uh, the goods and the bads. Um so I would love to hear your thoughts like what it, what's your vision of the future of payments products and and what you know what impact it's going to have on the world. Um I love this question too because it's such it's the dream product question. Um you know at the end of the day payments is so dynamic. It's one of those arenas that are constantly iterating, constantly innovating and um, what you know to be today is definitely not going to be in the next like two to five years. And we're already in that cycle of um, the, the exponential curve where things are changing rapidly. So when I think about payments in the future, just from the get-go, I'm like, it's going to be invisible, right? It's just the way that things are going. Things are going to be completely invisible in the future. Like we're not going to ever have to pull out credit cards. Things are potentially going to be embedded in us. So like, for example, like Hynote has a fleet product. It's an amazing fleet product, right? Like we work with EV fleet. In the future, I, I, we won't even need to pull out credit cards to like fuel fleet, right? Like it's going to be cars are programmed to like pay for their own charging costs. Humans don't even have to interfere with this, right? And you see this because like today, like there are iterations, like good design. There's a statement that good design is, is amazing. It's beautiful, but great design is invisible, right? And then Uber even said so themselves. The thing about Uber that makes it magical is like it took away the pain of paying on the taxi. You get in, you get out, right? And so that's where I see the industry going. Everything is heading towards an equilibrium where you don't see it. And that's the magical part. 
That is amazing. Funny story actually on the Uber. So, so I mean, Uber's a great example to me of, of products and, and companies changing what a lot of consumers didn't even know needed to be changed, right? So nobody, I don't think, I mean, obviously there was some problem that they saw there, right? And they really did a good job in, 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 in solving it. But, but the truth is like taxis were fine, right? Like it, we, it got us there. But man, that little bit of difference that they made. So the first time I took a, I used to take cabs in New York City all the time, right? And you, you know, you wait and you pay and it was no big deal. Like we didn't know how burdensome that was until I started taking Ubers all the time. And then the first time I, I took a cab after that, I jumped out of the cab without paying <laughs> because I was so used to it. And then of course I, I realized I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You know, I went back and paid, but, but it was like, it trained us as consumers. And that is such a burden. Like the one minute that it takes to pull your card out and pay and all that nonsense. It's like, right. And so I love that example and how, how everything is just going to be so much easier. Wow. And the, and the EV cars that just pay for themselves. That's awesome too. Wow. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. And you, you're going to see like how payments is going to fuel a lot of different problems in the world. Like I'll, I'll pitch you on another one, right? Since becoming a mother, I'm kind of like, wow, why don't we in the U.S. have, um, you know, pelvic floor therapy? Why is it that six weeks later, right? We're still bleeding. We're still postpartum, but yet we get cleared for birth control and not pelvic floor therapy, right? And so th- this is an infrastructure problem, but I think about like how um, like high note and like credit cards, right? We'll be able to use the activity, things that we do every day. We buy groceries, we buy our cable, we do public transport. Why can't we take these transactions, user rewards, and go back into more healthy behaviors, right? Get public floor therapy because of our everyday behavior, get healthy food, right? So things like this are already happening. That's the amazing thing about an industry, but I'm really excited about moving forward and having these frictions just disappear. And you get to focus on the things that you actively want to focus on. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and again, I get, working in a in an industry like payments, um, I can see tying it back to the voice. I could see how your voice kind of penetrating all of the work that you do to make sure the world is better in that domain, in that space, right? Like it's, it's bigger than just, you know, the products that you're creating and what you're putting out there. It's, it's how that's impacting the world and how that's making the world better. Absolutely. I mean, we have, we have like eight, I mean, realistically eight to 12 now, right? Like <laughs> like our 24 seven society, we have like eight to 12 um, yep. hours in a day where we are working with our peers, we're working on problems. And it's super important to me that we are not only paid to do our jobs, but also to do them well. And for what mission, right? And for, and, and mm-hmm. you know, again, for me, where I'm in San Francisco, um, money is not the end goal, right? I want to make sure that like the people in this world are taken care of long after we pass, right? That's kind of the legacy that I want to pass forward among others. But so in that sense, right? Like I think about my voice and I'm like, cool. Okay. This prospective company like has the mission that I want, um, to support, right? And do they have the product that I want to ensure can create good in the future, Right. And so luckily, I've been in really great positions, Airbnb, High Note, like have all got amazing missions. Um, And um, so I'm very comfortable with um, speaking up, using my voice to push these missions in like my little corner of the world. Um, And that's kind of a thing that I think about that I communicate with uh, mentees is like, is this an area that you feel comfortable to champion? Like if this is the end all be all for you, like let's say you stop working after this is this the legacy that you would want to give to the world? And if that answer is yes, then you're in a great place, right? You you know, you can lean in, you can be authentic about how you're going to move forward. 
Yeah, that's such good advice and, and really important for people to hear. So my final question for you, Victoria, is what I ask most of my guests, which is what resources have you found valuable? Are there any that you um, like to learn from that you've, you know, learned to teach others or anything else that has kind of helped you in general product management and also in finding your voice? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I'm going to be a bit contrarian here. Um, I don't necessarily lean into one person. I think that uh, I think that we're all human. We can be wrong, right? I think it's a bit of a, a, <laughs> a risk to put all of my weight on one person. So what I like to do is actually take from very disparate resources. So like, you're going to see me reading Wall Street. You'll see me reading like I don't know, like Cosmopolitan. Right. Like you'll, you'll, you'll see me reading like the Atlantic. I'll listen to Fox News. I listen to podcasts. I also look at Hacker News, the Reddit threads. Right? I like to take from all of the threads and um, come up with my inner sort of critical thinking voice and consider like what are the problems that people are talking about? What are the sign of the times? What are the things that are most top of mind? What is the thread of emotion that is running through our society right now? And then I think about like, oh, how can we solve that? Right. Where where are we in society? What are the tools that we have that could potentially solve this? And then I thread the two together. And that's kind of how I think about um, product management. Um, that's kind of like the the framework, if you if you will, the Victoria framework of how um, I, I take all this news and stay updated, but then come up with a unique perspective that I have an opinion on. Um, and it's worked pretty well for me. But but in general, like all of all of the people that you you hear about, like the Marty Kagans, the Scott Galloways, like they're all great resources. But at the end of the day, you and the voice that you want to put out in the world should be uniquely what you've thought of. And so that's how I approach the resources and then regurgitate it into what I hope is a more elegantly framed um, blurb to be able to communicate on. <laughs> I love that. I actually think that's a really, really great approach. And I think more people need to do it that way. I think, look, there, there are amazing thought leaders out there and really good experiences to share and, and all of that. But there's no one person who knows how to do product management above and beyond everyone else. And there's no one way to do product management and there's no one way to learn it. And so I love that that you kind of bring it all together. And in many ways, it's it's like product, right? I mean, we bring so many data sources in to figure out, you know, what the problem is and, you know, what's real and what's not and, and all of that. So I, I love that you kind of uh, you know, look across diverse resources. And I think that's very valuable for, for people to hear. So um, awesome. Um, Victoria Koo, this has been such an amazing conversation. I've loved it. I've lo loved hearing kind of how you found your voice and how you help others find their voice in product management. So thank you so much for joining me. Love the conversation. Thanks, JJ. It was a pleasure. And thank you all for joining us on Product Voices. Hope to see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Product Voices, hosted by J.J. Rory. To find more information on our guests, resources discussed during the episode, or to submit a question for our Q&A episodes, visit the show's website, productvoices.com, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. 